and welcome back to episode numero say? No, absolutely not. <laughs> what is 10 you in do, Espanol? Didn't you do like Duolingo for a while? Yeah, but not numbers. You had a 50-day street in Spanish. Yeah, in but not numbers. Okay, let's just count together. Uno. Yeah, dos, I guess. Tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, nueve, diez. Diez. Diez is the last name. Anyways, ignoring that really sharp look that my co-host just gave me. Hey, welcome to episode 10, everybody. We are excited about today's episode. We are talking about the conversation of friendships and really dialing in on the, to- or on the I guess, idea of, do I even really need friends? And I'm joined, as always, with my one and only lovely co-host, Elizabeth Clyde. Hey, hon. How's, how's it going? It's going. Made me so nervous, I just stuttered there. Stop. Hey, uh, caveat to today's episode, uh, you are joining Elizabeth and Taylor on a very vulnerable season in our life, and uh, this conversation is one that we just kind of argued about on a walk with our dog, and uh, it is in a very sensitive season that we are in uh, as a a couple, Um, and so we're fine, everybody. We just figured we weren't alone in this season. So we're almost like verbally exactly. processing it together with yes, you guys. Exactly. So if uh, during the conversation either one of us bursts out into tears, you know why. It'll probably um, be Taylor. Yeah, I'm an I'm an emote emote. I'm an emote. I don't know I what don't you're know. trying to say. But we're talking about the conversation. Do I even need friends? And as usual, it's impossible for us to talk about this and separate it from the concept or the. Um, uh, the structure, I guess, of ministry. So we're going to be tackling, do I even need friends in ministry or can I uh, do this thing in and of myself? So we're diving into that, talking about support networks and all of that fun kind of stuff. As usual, Liz, I have slam packed our show notes with five segments. I don't know why you make these outlines so intense. Like, just just, take something away, dang it. I don't want us to. It's such good stuff, though. And I feel like each one of those plays an important part. And if you pull out one, you just... Okay, well, then hurry up and get to the point. We're on the time limit. Yeah, we are. I am the timekeeper today. Not really. Not really, actually. Well, we are filming this at night, and it's kind of... And we're already like a week late. Yeah, bedtime's come in, and you guys have been eagerly waiting. It was a crazy week. It has been a crazy week. So thank you for taking time out of this. I know the podcast sometimes feels like my thing that I'm pushing on us, and sometimes it feels like your thing that you're pushing on, on but us. It's but it's really our thing. We pressure on right. each other. Yes, 50, 50, 50. So the first thing I want us to jump into is let's talk about the state of loneliness in ministry. So according to Barner Research, 70% of pastors report that they do not have a close friend. Barna is this organization that does all kinds of uh, research and, and, and surveys, and, and they said 70% of pastors that they surveyed report not having a close friend. What do you is think that about like that? Is that like a close friend in ministry or a close friend just in general? Didn't specify, but it doesn't sound like it was limited to just ministry. So mm-hmm. I wonder if they're you know taking old high school friends or things like that into mind. Do you think that holds true? I do. It's hard because just take ministry out of it. It's hard to have a close friend like in a regular sense versus ministers seems to get put on a pedestal, sometimes Mm. good and bad. And it's 
I feel like even harder to be vulnerable because having the stigma as minister is the stigma of either having all the right answers or mm. this perfect facade, or you go opposite of everyone just hates anyone involved in the church because they think they're fake. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I definitely, there definitely does feel like there is that stigma that's around leadership uh, when it comes to loneliness because people always say it's lonely at the top. And we've referenced this. I think actually in episode two, I think I said people say loneliness is only at the top, but I would say it's lonely at the bottom and in the middle and in the, all the in-betweens. Mm-hmm. But there is this thing that like pastors are exempt to this kind of like stuff that like plagues the rest of humanity, <laughs> that they're somehow, they got that little red phone, right? And they're just able to not suffer from the things that other humans on the on the earth suffer with. But it really does play quite a loneliness really does play quite an impact on not only your physical health, which we'll talk about a little bit later because I love that kind of stuff I'm talking mm-hmm. about that, but it definitely plays a, a part on, on your spiritual health as well. So as a person in ministry, you served at one time a role as the site or assistant site director and then the site director essentially of an extension site that our church had for yeah, Southeastern University. Mm-hmm. And in your current capacity or even past capacities as a pastoral spouse, have you ever felt isolated in your role in that season? I feel like this season is the most isolating role really because when I worked for the church I had a team I was over Mm. and so even though I was over them I still had that relationship with them and then when we were when you were in worship pastoring and when you were in associate pastoring at a campus we had our people you know what I mean and we got to care for our people but now with you being the creative director on the central role like in the central team like yes there's other like ministry spouses, but I'm not really close with any of them because we all have our own lives. Mm. And I think that's another reason why it's hard to get genuine friendships in ministry because everyone just assumes everyone else is busy. And a lot of the times they are, you know what I mean? And I'm the type, and it's me, but I'm the type of person once I reach out to you three times and I'm like, all right, well, you can reach out to me. And so then we, that's just me. That's, it's not the perfect, but you know what I mean? Like I was like, well, I've tried to connect with you and it's just not working, so I'll stop now. So it's kind of like that's just where I'm at. Like I was just kind of, well, and we'll talk a little bit more, but like on the walk, I was like, we don't have ministry friends. So that's just where we're at. That makes sense. And we do have friends, but I'm, I'm talking about like super close, but I guess we'll organically talk about that. Yeah, well, we, we talk about it a lot, but one of my favorite seasons, and you've said it as your favorite as one of your favorite seasons too, back in the day were, was the season that we were younger adults, uh, in a, I was in a worship leader capacity, worship pastor capacity at that time. And after church, we would always just invite a bunch of the band people over to the house. And I remember times where, I mean, it was, they were so unstructured that there were times where literally we would start watching a movie and everybody would be asleep on the floor. Like some asleep on the couch, some asleep on the floor um, there's other times where there would be something playing on TV, but you know, you'd have that little pocket of people watching that, but then other people would be like talking about this intense financial thing or budgeting thing or some relational terrible thing that's happened in their life, um, at the kitchen Island 
and that was always really fun seasons. And that those always felt very life giving, mm-hmm. very refreshing. So, yeah, it definitely, it's definitely real. I will say from my perspective too. Um, your biggest critique, as of forty five minutes ago, I think uh, thirty minutes ago when we were on our walk, was that I don't push too much into relationships with people. And it's true, I don't. I'm I'm much more interestingly enough. Anthony and I were talking about this in the office today. Anthony is his um, co-worker. Yeah. And he was mentioning, we are just talking about how couples are different a lot of times. And you mentioned that I don't push too much into relationships. And I don't. I'm an introvert. You're an extrovert. Um, and that's not making excuses for why we do the stuff that we do, but that's just the bend, you know. That's just the lean so it's good stuff. It's it's definitely it's definitely real. Whether you're in ministry or whether you're not, there is there's just a a lack, I think, of friendships and, and relationships that we have. Let's talk about the biblical foundation for community, right? Because we're believers. On days that end in Y. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering what you're gonna say. Sometimes I like to just like dangle things in front of you and then just see what Liz comes up with. <laughs> Did I pass your test with you did, random with flying colors okay, as good. usual? Um, the the a biblical foundation for community. So as believers, we always like to base everything on the Bible. And so why don't you read to us Hebrews ten twenty four and twenty five? Because I think this really drives this point home up under section or segment two. Mm-hmm. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So this obviously encourages community and support, Mm -hmm. which is funny because you had this written before the walk, right? Mm -hmm. And then on the walk, I'm like, we should invite our neighbors over for dinner next week. And then what did you say? No. Hmm. Interesting. Not neglecting to meet together. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, this is, um, especially, I'll be honest, in, in a season like this where it is whenever I feel like myself or you are threatened, this is a really vague thing. Like, this can be just whatever. But if I ever feel like there's tension for those, I will withdraw us both. I think this is speaking to, like, the protective nature Um just that I have, but I will pull us close together and I won't let anything penetrate that, that little, whatever, like you're not coming through. Like this is us, like emotions are in check. Uh, schedules are in check. We're not doing anything. We're not hanging out with anybody. Don't talk to anybody. Don't look at, don't, don't touch anything. Um, no, but I, I think that's kind of what I do. And so, especially in a season like this, where it's a little bit tougher, I am extra, faulty in that. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm very, very closed with that. But um, it, in men's ministry, they always talk about that verse in Proverbs, um, you know, iron sharpening iron. And I think that is one of the great things that you forfeit when you don't hang out with people. Our neighbors aren't believers. They don't know Jesus. They're not going to benefit our life in any way. But they do have something to give us. And I don't know what that is. But or we have something to also give them. Yeah. So when we don't do this, preaching to the choir, myself, hey yo. Because well, even non-believers, I feel like we all need community. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Them, even more so. 
I would say, because there's not that collection of positive people that are surrounding them. So how can iron sharpen iron, you know, talking about sharpening swords and junk, but how can they get better because of us and how can we get better because of them? So yeah, I think it's, it's pretty important. Uh, what, what do you think? Do you have any like biblical examples that show the need for community or maybe anything that you think the Bible specifically on the top of your dome? I'm, I'm just kind of calling it out of you, but anything that the Bible teaches us about the value in community in ministry? So, yeah, so my, and it's, it's kind of community. My first thought goes to like David and Jonathan, mm. like the armor bearers. Mm, so good. Um, in a sense, because like you need each other, not saying like one's, you know, better than the other, but like yeah. just that close relationship of brotherhood and having each other's back. Um, obviously, like Jesus and his disciples. Yeah, you got any examples off the top of your head? No, those are good. Um, Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron is, that's always one of my favorites, just because for the longest time I carried a an armor bearer calling. And so the fact that Aaron is literally holding up Moses' arms um, as they fight this battle, and the Bible says that as long as he held his arms up, they were victorious. That always, I always loved that. And I always took a personal connection to that. Like, I'm going to hold up my pastor's arms, and he's always going to be like visionary and all this kind of stuff. Do you think that's why, and this is probably going a little off, like you're feeling a little stagnant at work because you don't, you're not in that armor bearer role necessarily? I was thinking about that. Um, I don't know if it's that. So, well, I don't know if it's that. I, I don't know. I'm not sure if that was a season or not. You know, we always talk about seasons and they always have a beginning and an end. And so I don't know if that is so much of a season or if that's a calling. I always said it was a calling because I was always okay being a number two and sitting in that second chair and not feeling like I've got to be the boss. So now I'm not so much in that, like explicitly, like to where I'm like, like I'm not holding up our lead pastor's arms metaphorically. Like he's got, you know, executive pastors and I'm just playing more of a support role, but it could play into it. Mm. That could definitely add to that shift could definitely bring some funky feelings, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, because the person you were the armor bearer to were like our closest friends. So I think that that's always, not saying like, you know, we lived, breathed, because we've talked about them before. We did not like pine, live, breathe, and like own their friendship. I mean, when they transitioned, it left a big hole. Not like hole, but like, you know, it's dunk. Definitely, yeah. You can't separate that from that was a like that was a pastor relationship but also that was a friend friendship right Mm. and so that was that's definitely huge and i've tried to like initiate it with like other couples in the church and whatnot thinking like okay this is going to be it this is going to be our people this is going to like this is going to be you know the relationship like we've been looking after and Mm -hmm. i mean granted i don't tell them like hey i'm like testing you guys out (laughs) i'm just (laughs) trying to see if like you you guys want to be our couple bffs but, um, I mean, that's kind of like what you do. And so it's just always like, and it's hard to compare one relationship to the other, but it's it's just hard because like, especially when I like 
am friends with someone, I give everything and it's so hard to find. Yeah. Like when you're a giver and you normally don't receive as much back, that's like hard to pill to swallow. But then like with a relationship you know you love and like you just know it works, you know the faults, you know the ins and outs and stuff. So it's hard to start and cultivate a whole new relationship. Like it that. is. And I, I think that what you described as like that one takes time and that one takes small moments. We talked about the last week of vulnerability that is rewarded with attention and affirmation. And then next time in different interaction, there's a little bit more vulnerability and that's awarded with attack, uh, attention and affirmation. And I think that that continues on. And that's why those friendships that, and even as you're listening to this, like you have those people, I'm sure that you, you have these connections with that really know you and you know them. And if you think it, you know, think about it, like you play it back. It's this, it's like a feedback loop or not a feedback loop necessarily. It's more of a, something that's grown, right? So it started and you've shared a little bit, they've shared a little bit and that kind of has continued. And and soon you've got some deep roots with them, man. Mm -hmm. You definitely do. All right, well, let's talk about something. Uh, let's shift gears into more of the psychological benefits that come from having a support network. And this is where it gets really cool for me. I'm such a nerd when it comes to like health stats You're and gonna medical stats. You're going to give us stats. a stat? The American Psychological <laughs> Association. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so, yes, yes, we're going to have a stat. Um, I don't necessarily have a stat, but I will tell you that the American Psychological Association emphasizes that social support mitigates stress. So if you are in Target buying the stress-less gummies, like I may or may not have done for you last week, and you're buying these and you're popping them like constantly throughout your day and you have no friends and no support network, Maybe you could look at this in addition to helping you <laughs> helping you curb the 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 stress less gummies. Uh, Mother Teresa has this quote though. I love this. She said, "Loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty." Now it's, it's kind of crazy. Like from what I understand, she lived with like the completely impoverished children of the nation that she was in. And she said, "Loneliness and the fear of being unwanted, or the feeling of being unwanted, is the most terrible poverty." What do you think about that? I mean, yeah, because with and we'll talk. We'll go into detail another time. I know you guys are like, "What the frick happened to you?" Um, but last week when we were facing the stress, we were the reason why you bought the stress less the gummies. I took notes of all vulnerabil vulnerability um, podcasts, and so I decided to text a dozen people um some of them were like you know my like two closest friends but other people just like other staff in the church and whatnot you good fam he's dying i'm trying to be vulnerable and he's dying searching frantically for that mute button and i found it the last second oh <coughs> you done please continue all right cool but so i started like texting a dozen people like updates pretty much like please please like please pray yeah this is happening today because it was like a week-long like process like storm i guess we were going through and now we're living with the aftermath of the storm is really um the best way to describe it but i just texted them day by day and so it made me now granted my storm did not change whatsoever but it helped me feel <laughs> not so alone and 
having that support network, even if like, you know, we like some people like some were like our like senior like pastor's wife like you know i knew she would pray for us even though we may not be the closest sure but i was like all right i just i need all the support and prayer i can get and yeah. i know these people will pray for me so i mean just having them knowing like they're in my corner praying it helped my psyche a lot definitely and and i think <clears throat> it's interesting she said loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted i think when difficult things bad things happen to you and they happen to everybody if you're listening to this and you've never had a bad situation in, in a storm in your life, get ready because it's coming or you're just getting out of it. Um, but it, it can almost make you feel unwanted and you can almost feel like a burden to ask for help and to ask for prayer. So I can certainly see how somebody who's dealing with a, a, a struggle in their life doesn't want to be open with people like that because you kind of, you don't want to impose. Well, with me personally, I'm very private person when it comes to like vulnerability and so I really didn't want people to know how bad I was hurting and how devastated I was sure I want you you want to put your best foot forward you want people to know um you're strong even like my two closest friends like they they had a the most heads up out of everyone but even then it took me probably like a while to even open up to them and I'm like do I include them in the prayer, in every single update too, like, so pretty much I just had like a big prayer team on my side, which once again, you sure did. I sure did. Didn't change my storm, but it helped me face it a little stronger. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, and I think that that is one benefit to physically have people that you can, to text people and physically have them next to you. In, in scary things and in difficult things. I think that is for sure one of the benefits. The physical benefits of social connections and good mental health are, are really, really crucial. There's, there's proven links that include lower rates of anxiety and depression, higher uh, self-esteem, greater empathy with people, and, and more trusting and, and cooperative relationships. So like there's, there's medical things that people, or excuse me, like physical things that people are tracking because of social connections. It's pretty wild. You got strong, healthy relationships that can also strengthen your immune system from like, you know, just recovering from diseases, which is pretty wild, and even lengthen your life, which is like, what? And that's you're all about lengthening your life right now. I am, yeah. But even like recovering from diseases, like you like how you think about it and you're like, how can having friends like help you recover from these things? But there's these studies that prove that. It's pretty wild. So how do you think, Liz, the friendships can, can help emotionally and mentally in, in the ministry? Yeah, so I liked how you put it earlier about just kind of being intentional and letting it build up because mm-hmm. the reality is like we had a 10-year friendship that transitioned away, so it's not going to replace a 10-year friendship. In, Overnight. Yes, not even. It's been a year, but I mean, still we still love them. We um connect with them like I was texting them update and they were praying for me and checking on me like you know but it's it's not the same as like physically having that relationship there where like it's the people we can be like we're kind of bored let's just go over to the house because we know it's it'll be fine like we don't like it's such a special to have those friends we know we 
cannot impose on and vice mm. versa. You know what I mean? That's really special. Yeah. But I mean, I like how you said, uh, be intentional and don't be like me where if you reach out three times and you're like, all right, we're done. I'm getting a little better at that, but I just, uh, it's like, it's just a pet peeve. Like we should hang out. I was like, well, I've been trying to hang out with you like five times, like getting together and your schedule doesn't allow it. So you let me know. Okay, boo boo. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of tough. So do you have any steps for, um, helping build this network? Yeah. Let's jump into that. Let's switch over and talk about some practical steps for building, um, I guess how to make friends. (laughs) Making friends so, 101. Gosh, if we cracked the code. Why um, is this so hard? Uh, I don't know. Well, I feel like with me, I could talk to anyone, but I can talk to anyone on the surface level. It's really hard for me to let people in. Um, But more specifically, let's talk about you. Like, why is it so hard for you? Because I, mean, I want to hang out with everyone all the time. Like, we have, like, our small little group of, like, friends. They're not, like, our ministry. Yeah. Like, because that's, I feel like that's really what like I'm craving in this mm. season that I feel like we're missing is we do not have another couple in ministry that we can like talk to and cry with and laugh with. And, you know, like it's just like working in the ministry is just different, you know? And we have so many great people on our church, but I just feel like none of them has, not yet maybe, but like just kind of clicked in that whatever I'm looking for. I don't even know what I'm looking for. But we do have friends. Yes. And you don't want to hang out. With people. No. Uh, there's a WebMD article literally called How to Make New Friends. That's funny. WebMD. Because I'm always like, I was like, Taylor, That's do you want to hang out with these people? Nah. Do you want to go to this thing? That's literally no. what it says. It's a, okay. Bold letters. How to start a friendship. Friendships take time, but you can take steps to spark a relationship and nurture a connection. You know what number one is? Go hang out. Say yes. Say yes, Taylor. When you're invited to a gathering or event, accept the invitation. Return the favor by asking them somewhere, uh, by inviting them somewhere. Extend your own invitations and ask a friend or acquaintance to get coffee or lunch. Taylor doesn't even want to have our birthday party next month for his birthday and invite, like, friends over. That's different, though. Like, that, like, I, I like celebrating with friends, but I just... I don't like being the center of attention. Well, you don't want to have a dinner party either. Because it's for my birthday. Well, I mean, just saying like a random, like we could have a dinner on a Tuesday. It's true. So some practical steps. Um, You asked me why it's so hard for me to make friends. Um, I probably don't say yes enough. Mm -hmm. I definitely do not put myself out there in in those kind of things. I don't invite myself places. Um, and I limit the people who I spend time with to those who, uh, can almost exclusively add value to my life. That's tough. If we want to be really honest, I boiled that down for myself, um, a little bit ago. And that was a interesting self discovery. Mm -hmm. Mine big one is. I am, I, it's hard for me to open up and I'll like size someone up really quickly. Like if I feel like I'm going to, it's like, oh, I'm going to give more in this relationship than you. So I guess it's it's similar to you. Like this is not going to be an even relationship. So I don't want to pursue this or this is, we're terrible. We're honest right now. And it's so hard. Like we have, we have great friends, but like I, we don't have like super close, close friends. Yeah. Like, we don't have our ride or dies right now. And I think that's okay. I think that's just a season. And I feel, and you know, the Lord will guide us. It's true. I'm going to tell you how to fix it, though. Okay, yeah. Like, it's going to be this easy. Mm-hmm. 
in three simple steps. You ready? Mm-hmm. Number one, you got to be intentional. You have to take time to cultivate relationships. Okay. They're not just going to happen overnight. They're not just going to come to you all the See, time. See, I'm good at being intentional. Okay, perfect. So it's going to happen for you. It's going to happen okay, for you soon. What's step two? So be intentional. Then you've got to be transparent. Nope. And if you need information on this, guys, go back and listen to episode nine where we talk about intimacy versus transparency. Yeah, uh, I struggle vulnerability. with that. You have to be transparent. Authenticity breeds trust. I have no issues sharing my entire life struggles with any person that I meet. And I have no issues in being intentional. Okay. This is perfect. Together. This is okay. happening What's first. number okay. three? What's number then three? And finally, don't just take. You've got to give support to others as well. And I think that this is something that that I see a lot in our generation. We are, man, we are like soul suckers. We will drain our friends of everything and we won't openly and freely give to them. We won't sacrifice a whole lot. I see it all the time. People that just take, 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 relationally speaking, and there's never that output. There's never that sacrifice, never the investment into the other person that kind of balances the scales. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do to be more intentional? Because well, at the moment, as a couple, we are stuck at step one. Uh, I don't know. I didn't come here for therapy, Liz. I came to give therapy. Oh. Don't make any sense. <laughs> Don't make any sense at all. Uh, so yeah, it's it, and I think it's it's different too. I don't, I think it's easier in some aspects in ministry because in my position, the other day I I emailed cold emailed uh, a church in. Oh gosh! Oh yeah, Midwest did they ever email you back? They did. Yeah, they talked about um, possibly meeting up in like mid September. Not meeting up, but like zooming up. Yeah, Google Meet, man. Forget Zoom. Okay. Well, you, it's all the same. I'm a tease. But yeah, so I think it's it's sometimes easier for those in like a ministry context because you can just play it on, you can blame it on your position and you can be like, hey, I'm the whatever at this church. Like I saw that you're the, you're the me at that church. So let's. I let's mean, yeah, it, it gives the uh, open door for sure, right. but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to like cultivate a relationship because so oh, many no, times, yeah. you know, we meet up with people, but it's hard for us to cultivate a relationship. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. But but we have our small group starting soon. We do in a in a couple of weeks. So I feel like that's going to really help us. Not our small group, though, love. Well, we're the hosts. Yeah. So it's like a collective small group. It's true. Yeah. Um, that's gonna be yeah. Super nice. So it's really we're excited because we we honestly we got like not burnt out of leading small groups, but a little bit after doing it for so many years. So we are taking a step back and we will be providing the space for the group to meet and still attending the group, but someone else is going to be the leader and we're very excited to watch them grow. I'm very happy to just mop and clean toilets and then let somebody else lead the conversation. And I'm going to bake cookies for them too. Gosh. It's going to be a great day. We're going to be the hostess with the mostess. Gosh. Just maybe not the mostest friends. But they're all going to come to us, and no one's going to know we're struggling, except for the six listeners we get a week on our podcast. Right, right, right. And <laughs> don't I, tell anybody, guys. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. We just like looked at each other. <laughs> all right. Let's close it up. Um, Eugene Peterson has a book called "A Long Obedience in the Same Direction." He says this: relationships are the engines of life. I like that. Relationships are the engines of life. So as we close up, 
last kind of last kind of little bit of questions. What is uh, you you were pushing me on this, but admittedly I'm terrible at making friends, um, and I think that you're better. Give us one action step that our listeners can take this week to improve their support network. If you had to boil down a simple, tangible, practical piece of advice, what's one thing you could tell them that they can take away this week to improve their social network? Reach out for the fourth and fifth time if you're like me. Because, I mean, you just have to... And I, I struggle at continuing to pursue a relationship. Like I said, like, if I feel like it's not going to be an even right um, battle, like... I was like, all right, I've reached out twice now. Until you reach out to me twice, I'm not going to reach out again. Gosh, but yeah. I mean, if you feel like that relationship would be valuable, and there's like some people who, like, you don't want them to suck the soul out of you right. and whatnot. But I don't know. Don't assume um, what someone else is thinking as, as well. Like, you know, like, oh, they don't really care. They don't want to make time for me. No, they could literally just be going through a lot, and you don't know because you're not that close yet. And you won't know that until you keep pushing. And you may not ever know that because they could be like me and literally still refuse to open up completely with people. That's true. But they're worth it because I know you. And even though you're a tough little clam to crack, that pearl is worth it. You're a pretty incredible person. um, Pearls, not clams. Oh, crap. Is That That metaphor just fell apart. We don't really do seafood, so I'll give you a pass. Anyways, I thought that was good. It was, I mean, you still hit it. You didn't hit a home run, but you hit the ball. Yeah. The base is reloaded. Okay, continue. Ooh, we got to close it. Oh, tough stuff. Hey, thank you guys so much for joining us for this conversation. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, Google Podcast, or wherever you're streaming this right now because we are everywhere right Liz I mean I guess I don't really know the ins and outs I just show up and record everywhere so also be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook I am at Taylor Clyde and that is at Elizabeth P. Clyde she's always posting some fun cake stuff and I'm always posting a picture of me in the kayak so you never know what you're gonna get well I guess they do know yeah (laughs) I I don't know (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but thanks for joining us again for this you guys We will see you in the next episode as we talk about some more cool stuff. Until next time, have fun, and we'll see you soon. Bye.